You are now entering the Bad Christian Podcast. What's going on, Fart Knockers? Welcome to the new week. Fart Knocker was sent in by Paul, Devin Shelton's brother-in-law, sent me that one. Thank you, Paul, for it. Now, according to my research, Fart Knocker was made popular, if not coined, by none other than Beavis and Butthead. While they were watching a Guar video, Beavis got in the way of the TV and Butthead shouted, Move it, Fart Knocker. Okay, so we're back from the Emory Tour. Toby and I just got home this weekend. And that was a tremendous success. So thank you, everybody. And I'll, I'm not even sure at this point how many people that listen to this podcast are Emory fans because I used to kind of assume it was a bunch of Emory fans. But I met a bunch of people on this tour that said, hey, man, I've been listening to the podcast, but I've never seen an Emory show or bought an album until now. I think you guys are awesome. So if you're not an Emory fan or weren't before you listen to this podcast, yeah, that's mine and Toby's other gig. We play in a, a screamo band called Emory. So you could go buy all of our old CDs. Well, on second thought, don't do that because we don't really make any money from that. Wait and buy our new album, You Are Never Alone, when it comes out soon. That'd be a much better idea. We'll be having some music for you guys very soon. We just got some mixes back. Uh, Devin's done doing his vocals on it. It's killer. It's fantastic. You're going to love it. I promise. We got a ton of stuff going on at Bad Christian and BC Music. Let me tell you a little about some of them now. The classic crimes record, What Was Done, Volume 1, is out now. It's doing super well. Thank you for everybody who's already bought it. For the rest of you, get moving. I have some more details for you about that in the break later. While I'm on the subject of music, I want to tell you guys about the newest band that's on BC Music. They're called Abandoned Kansas. So let that serve as a micro-announcement. More on that this week. Big news indeed. So, also on the blog already today, we put up a post about Thanksgiving. Joey asked me to tell you guys to go read. So go to badchristian.com, go to the blog. Y'all remember we do a blog? Well, Joey wrote a blog over there about what is a blessing anyway. What does that mean? Happy Thanksgiving, folks. Three, two, (laughs) one. (laughs) <laughs> He's going solo. It's the big Christian Pookie. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. All right. Nice work, Joey. You did job, that totally Joey. by yourself, Joey. Hey, you great. know, you know the awkward thing is, Toby. You know how the sound travels easily outside of my office. There's an Italian. Uh, language lesson going on right outside my office. <laughs> All right, welcome to the Bad Christian Podcast, everybody. It's Matt, Toby, and Joey here. Let me paint the scene for you today. Paint it to- for us, Matt. Today, to- Toby and I are in our tour bus. We were parked outside of Chain Reaction in I- Anaheim, California. We're going to be talking to Rob Schweitzer from May in a little bit Woo! on for the interview today. And Joey is back in his boring-ass church office job on a little microphone over the internet. Oh, so- shawy with you, baby. <laughs> I just want to tell Toby that I cleaned his son's shit last week. So while you're away singing for people, I'm wiping your son's butt. <laughs> How did you okay? have to wipe his butt? Well, because uh, Jessica and Priscilla uh, went out, and uh, it w- it wasn't for leisure. <laughs> 
It was an appointment that Jessica had. Yeah, so um, basically you're complaining that you had to wipe my son's <laughs> butt with doo-doo, but because my wife had to go to her cancer appointment. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Joey, that takes away your yeah. her- heroism just I, you know, a little bit. You know, I feel bit. really bad for you. I mean, I know you had to wipe my son's butt one time Yeah, because my wife has cancer. I'm going to have to talk to her about that. Well, thank you for wiping Ike's butt. We do appreciate that. So we've been out here on this road the whole time since the M-word, the book, came out. And so I wanted to thank, I guess, yeah, I want to thank everybody for downloading that book so far. We've given away thousands of that book. And the reason we've been able to give it away is because of everybody supporting us, spreading it, sharing the links, telling people about Bad Christian. Awesome. So really, really good. Joey, you've seen people downloading the book and been interacting on our Facebook while we've been offline or what? Yeah, there's a lot of people very appreciative that it's out there uh, just because we hear it all the time. Now I don't feel alone. Uh, glad you guys are exposing the fact that this is not just a male thing. So yeah, it's it's been pretty. And crazy. that's uh, badchristian.com forward slash the M word. You, if, yeah. In case you missed it, you can go get the book for free. Now we've got uh, right there. But now what I wanted to well, know is hold why- on, Matt. More more than anything, we've gotten hundreds of emails of people complaining that it was not a pornographic images book, <laughs> and so we we let a lot of people down on that one because they thought it actually was a book. Just about masturbation. <laughs> about like, right. like, like techniques that, yeah. and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> what about this, Joey? Have you gotten people saying that, yeah, that's great, but it's all this bad stuff, so how does it, why didn't it end good? Or why didn't these stories, like, why is that good? But, like, where are no, these girls now and stuff? No, I have not. And I think that may be because the people that really took the time to download it are, are probably folks that have come to expect more of an open-endedness from us. That's true. Or or maybe they just, you know, didn't express it. But I don't know. I think... Uh, maybe we're developing a really way cooler audience than we originally had in the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm serious. So c- congratulations to all you guys out there for sticking with us well, it's kinda, this yeah, long. It, now we've kind of weeded out all the legalistic people. No, we still have haters. Oh, okay, I, I actually um, actually have something to read to you guys. A bedtime story? Is, no, no, it's pretty uh, pretty timely with what we're talking about right now. Um, he says you guys criticize nonstop people who try not to sin, and you celebrate and even approve people who are deliberately sinful. All the time you say we should love, understand sinners because they're in need, but we should dislike and rebuke Christians who try to live good lives. You say you're anti-sin, but you hate people, hate people, he said, who live accordingly. And then uh, someone stuck up for us, and he responded, he said, they've called us legalists, Pharisees, hypocrites. They say we judge we're giving a bad name to Christianity. They think trying not to sin is such an error. They said they'd prefer to be bad Christians. Sinners are more acceptable than us Christians who struggle to overcome sin. They have a message of hope and acceptance of bad people and have nothing to say for the Christians who are hurting and trying hard to get it right. Toby, how can we be so misunderstood? What if he's right? I, he's not. You know our hearts, Matt. Come on. I I mean, he, he could be right in a sense of maybe what he's in only in the sense of he thinks that we're too hard on Christians. But guess what? No Christians are hard on Christians. That's why we end up in the shit that we're in. Nobody's, nobody's <laughs> doing anything. So 
everybody's every, everybody's getting their damn feelings hurt because we say Christians are shitty. Guess what? Christians are shitty. I'm one of them. I'm shitty. We're talking about our own selves here, and so the thing that gets the thing that really bothers me is people do not want to hear things like, "Hey, everybody's scared if." Uh, you reveal sin or you, you admit that, hey, man, I'm not the best person in the world, even though I'm a Christian, that our God is weaker or that we're, you know, that he's not as strong or as real or, or whatever. And that's just not true. I mean, we just breeze through Christianity too much. I mean, it's yeah. just, hey, because I'm striving to do the right thing, you guys bash me. What are you talking about? <laughs> the hell he's talking about? I, well, I mean, what, what, what I think is crazy, too, is from a biblical perspective, Paul said not to judge people outside of the church, but to be hard on people inside the church. So yeah. I don't I don't see how he has. Uh, I agree with you, too, though. I mean, we, we could come across as being, you know, mean spirited to our fellow brothers and sisters. But I think that's mainly because the church we just threw in the towel a long time ago be, being political correct. And I think it's a backlash to. You know, the Jim Baker and Jimmy Swagger and all that stuff were like, okay, wait a second now. We have to really be careful as far as how we interact with each other because that was just horrible. Well, with, I just think of it this way. I just think of it this way. If I don't, I think as we're on the last legs of anybody really buying, like really buying into the, the, the awesome ultra hero, pastor, hero, whatever it is, I think we're in the last legs of that. What's a what's a leg to you? Decade? Last decades of that or last I think years it's, of that? I think in some ways we're in a unique time in all of of the history of the church. So well first of all, I think just with all the information that we have and the internet and everything, I think things have changed and are changing so fast and we know that people are flawed and I, I always think that's a good thing because it's true. So people were always flawed. Now you just get to see the sex tape when it leaks or the whatever it is or whatever whatever thing breaks down is usually broken because of really something related to the internet or information exchange. So I think that's a good thing because now we know that people all along were always terrible. All the leaders of probably every church all the way were probably always bad. Now we just know it. I think that's positive because I think we can move forward. So I'm glad for that. And I think the future of the church is like really wide open and it's exciting to me. I don't have any idea what's going to happen, but I think it's awesome. I think we're at the last generation of people that just buy into a system or follow an individual blindly, you know, in that. I think we're getting beyond that. I just imagine our kids, I imagine William and Georgia and Ruby just going, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not buying into that. Like the guy with the perfect image that's not saying anything or doing anything. I, I know better than that. And so I'm excited about whatever that's going to mean, but I don't know what it's going to mean. Well, that's the thing. That, that, that's just more real. Why do you, why would you want somebody that, oh man, you know what? I do, I strive to do the right thing and I don't really talk about the bad things I do and, or, or just the normal things I do. We're not even talking about bad things. It's just people are so, I mean, is this guy just worried that we mention bad stuff too much? He I thinks mean, we celebrate it when we sin, but if that was the case, I could do a hell of a lot better job of that. I know. I, if I wanted to celebrate sin, I got a lot more stuff I'd love to go do, and, and <laughs> I could have a way better Instagram account. I could do a lot of I could do a lot of more sin if I wanted to promote it. Hey, Joey, it's really ironic. <laughs> it's kind of ironic right now. We actually literally did. It's funny that we were not in the room with you because we literally just ordered Domino's pizza to the bus and we're eating it right now. <laughs> <laughs> Did Neil come by? Does Does Neil live no, in Southern Cal? No, there's no Cal? Neil no, in Anaheim. No, it's just he's this, in Charleston. It's just this butthole named Ralph. 
that we didn't even tip. So hey, kind of, kind of on a serious note, uh, this is um, kind of a, a really downer. But there's a pastor on James Island, Toby, that uh, committed suicide Thursday. Oh god, so it's kind of a kind of a big deal. Which it, you know, a pastor a more, at your church? No, 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 a pastor of another church. Which wow, uh, it's kind of a more of a of, of a serious. Uh, example of what we're talking about, you know, and just pastors not not being these heroes. And I'm not in any way, um, you know, making light of his suicide. But I mean, this is a guy that was leading a church, was leading, um, you know, I think a healing ministry. And I mean, just a great guy. And, you know, little did people know. And I, and I don't know enough about the situation. Maybe there were a lot of people that, that knew but it seems like it was just complete 100% shock and surprise. Now, here's the thing is, I know this is going to sound super, super bizarre, but, you know, I, I'm i not suicidal, and but there's a lot of people that know about my depression. So right. I think that if I were, ugh, I hate even saying this because it just sounds so weird, uh, but if I were to kill myself, I at least people would be like, gum his okay I knew he had depression I, I guess it was really really bad it seems like again I'm not super close to the situation but it seems like there's a possibility that nobody even knew this guy was sad you know which I don't know if that's a good thing I don't know of if course not it's not a good thing that, that the problem is people have abused uh, a Christian and Christianity I should say has abused the things that we think are right and what you should do. We have elevated men, for the most part, to this position of reverence where, the, man, God has ordained them, and it's, it's been they have been chosen in their life. That I mean, can't we revere people and honor them as fallen, messed up humans that get stuff wrong and are weak to even their own body? I mean, even their own chemicals in their body. Uh, I mean, can't... It, it, like, can a pastor not say, hey, man, I'm really struggling? Hey, I, I mean, a pastor can only get up in front of people and give them three points about how they need to do better with their finances, but he can't say, hey, listen, I, I feel like I don't want to be here tomorrow. I mean, are we, is that where we're at in society where a pastor has to be so good that he can't have any weaknesses? That, that's just, it's ridiculous. I'm, I mean, that's what's right, happening. But, but, but Toby, to, here, here's the distinction, though. There's a lot of pastors, I would say, uh, Rick, Bizet would be one of these. He's in a former episode. Um, well, I think he would say, well, ha have a smaller group of people, but you don't need to broadcast publicly things that you're going through. I think the three of us would disagree. I mean, how would you feel about a past? What if What if I only shared my depression to, to you two guys, my wife, and maybe one more person? Do you think that that would be okay for me as a pastor? That no, here's the problem. Even with, with Dr. Rick Bazette, <laughs> even the problem with Rick Bazette, in, in my opinion, was that he said that it, wouldn't, it doesn't necessarily benefit you to be transparent to m more people. Or there's a certain level of it. That doesn't mean you're not being honest or transparent to some people, but the wideness of it can come back to hurt you or bite you. And I would say yes if what you're saying is no matter what, I need to have a giant congregation and I need I need to be in charge and I need to ha have all this stuff under my leadership if that's the case then yeah but I'm not, I'm not taking that for granted that somebody ought to 
uh, have to maintain a character that would qualify them to lead tens of thousands of people. That may not be a good idea. Yeah. I, have a, I have a really good point, but Matt usually talks longer, so I put a big bite. <laughs> I thought I was going to be able to. Hold on one second. I got a really good point. So, what kind the, of pizza do you have? Oh man, we got. Well, let me give you a tip real quick. Pepperoni and bacon. Yep. Thin crust pepperoni and bacon from Domino's, and their cheesy breads. Uh, my favorite cheesy bread on earth. So, here, if anything, when I read the Bible, if you want to talk about hiding things, or you, oh, you only need a close group of people that you share stuff with. All the shit that every character in the Bible did is there for everybody to see. Look how stupid Peter looked. Busted. Look, look, look at Paul's uh, assassination of Christians. Look, at, I mean, every single one of them. We all know it. Every single person on the earth. It's the most popular book in the whole world, and it shows everybody's sick shit. I mean, I mean, Ray, Rahab was a prostitute. I mean, every along the way, Adam and Eve that killed all of us. We all know all their dirty stuff. And now, but now we need a select group of people that really know that we can trust and say, "Oh, who cares if somebody says something <laughs> bad about you?" I mean, it, it's okay. If yeah, it's okay if somebody says something bad about you. That means you can't get more of whatever power or whatever you want to try to grow your thing into. It's That's the same okay. thing as allowing somebody to like. I realized after being a big guy that people would make fun of me for being fat and overweight, right? Yeah, because but, th that song you put that on the blog this week. Yeah, that, that was on, on the blog. That that, was, yeah, yeah. I actually wrote a, a, a blog post for this week, and uh, that was really actually, good, by the way. It was actually last week. Yeah, this is the yeah. this is the blog post that's out this week. The yeah, one you just the came out last yeah, week. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, the thing is, I realized after a while was it, if I didn't let it bother me, then it it didn't own me. Like if the if me being overweight and regardless if that's good or bad, being overweight is unhealthy in a lot of cases. You know all the stuff. I mean, there's some truth in all that stuff. But as long as I didn't, once I realized, hey, it doesn't matter what somebody says about me. It 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 matters who I am and what I'm doing. Then it didn't own me anymore. And so who cares if if somebody knows that you're struggling with depression? They should. Are you worried somebody's going to make fun of you or say something mean? I mean, it shouldn't own you that much. And who, I mean, if you're struggling with uh, finances or sex or fear or worry or all that stuff, the best thing you can do is tell everybody. That's, yeah, I that, totally agree. Now, I will say this, though. That there, there are a lot of uh, people, and I've even heard them say this, when it comes to these sorts of discussions, they're like, I I don't. I don't want to know that my pastor struggles with that. Yes, like that's I, right. They, that's right. They want. They want them. That's right. To be in a different. That's right. You, it's really not good to, in my opinion, to really be blaming the pastors. Just like anything, even in the church, whatever you want to say, I'm not it's, blaming the pastors. It's supply and demand. It's a market force. It's simple no, economics. That's what that Christianity want. want. Right. So it's the people. It's us. It's everybody that wants that thing. It's not the pastor. They, that's they just want a perfect celebrity that gives them a concise message, and they don't have to think about it that much farther, and it goes away by the time uh saturday comes around again and then they need another fill up on sunday and it's just hey well look silly. look no further just listen to the bad christian podcast and you've got it hey hey so how are you guys doing on the road with uh your your eyes let's go christianese are you guys bouncing your eyes what do you mean brother well brother what i mean is when you see uh, an attractive boob uh for example <laughs> <laughs> do you look the other way well, brother, I'll tell you one thing. In Hollywood, California, there are a lot of boobs and butts and Johnsons that you can look at. And it's sometimes hard to bounce your eyes off of Johnson. Yeah, because when you see. bounce your eyes, there's somebody else right there. And yeah, you, you bounce, bounce off eyes. one set of boobs and you land on yeah. the Johnson and I have to bounce yeah, and then right you just off get, that. You get in a car wreck. It's just <laughs> terrible. So, 
So bouncing your eyes where you guys are at doesn't work. You need to just close them. I actually went the Christian route and gouged both my eyes out. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't as bad as I thought. That's why we here, we're going to take a second to do a spot for X3 Watch. X3Watch.com forward slash bad Christian. X3 Watch is the software that we use to block pornography and alert other people and tell our friends and tell people that we trust uh, what it is that we've been looking at on the internet. We find that that helps us. It is so easy to uh, honestly just get, get along by yourself or something. And, and, you know, that goes for all our mobile devices or our computers. It's easy just to stumble upon something and linger too long. And, and honestly, that's what's so cool about X3 Watch. It's not always going to bigboobs.com. It, I mean, it can easily be a new site with a side panel that, or, or uh, you know, a, 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 a magazine site or something like that that has a revealing uh, a woman in revealing clothing or something like that. And X3 Watch does a great job of just saying, hey, well, I'm going to block this. Oh, is this site okay? Okay. It's really easy to fix that. It's really easy to whitelist anything uh, that, it, you know, that you want to continue looking at. And uh, and what's really good about that, too, is you can't get away with, oh, I'm going to whitelist bigboobs.com. You can't do that. When you whitelist something like that, it lets your friends know just the same as if you went to bigboobs.com. <laughs> so that's really it's a really cool piece of software. X3watch.com forward slash bad Christian. You can get the premium subscription with all those features that Toby just described for half off. At the very least, you should go... Uh, to this website and get the get the free version, uh, which has some of those features. X3watch.com forward slash bad Christian. Half off if you go to that URL because Matt, Toby, and Joey sent you. So speaking of that, Joey, we, we hung out last night with Craig Gross down in, uh, in, in Hollywood. Oh, awesome. A little jealous. Yeah, he's super, uh, it's just really easy to be around. Uh, there's no like pretense or anything about him. He's just a really, what you see is what you get, and that's what I really like about him. Now, what's interesting is uh, we're sitting there, and he's on the phone. He's like, hey, you guys, can I get another person on the guest list? And we're like, yeah, sure, not a big deal, Craig. And so he got Ron Jeremy, the famous porn star, to come to our show. <laughs> <laughs> well, what was funny about that was uh, our tour manager, like, we always, he, you know, it's a hassle to get people on the guest list, honestly, sometimes, especially when it's late and it's already been turned in and day of and stuff like that. And a lot of times we don't have a full guest list, and sometimes we do. So a lot of times we'll, we'll put in joke guest lists. Like, if we play in, in Houston, we'll put... Hakeem Olajuwon put him on the guest list right. stuff like that <laughs> so we often put sports stars or celebrities from whatever city we're in on the guest list so so Nick looks at us and goes, I said, hey, I need somebody else on the guest list. And he goes, who? I said, Ron Jeremy. And he just laughed. He thinks I'm just making a joke. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think it was true. So it was really funny. So he watched our whole set. And uh, so then Craig and him and, and some, I, I'm assuming, other porn stars went to the Rainbow Room after our set. And after we got done, uh, we went over to the Rainbow Room, too. And it was really, honestly, it was this weird moment or a surreal moment. Because Ron is also a little bit of a musician as well. And honestly, a super nice guy. Him and Craig are great friends, even though obviously they disagree hugely on porn and sexuality. Um, they are great friends. Friends, And so it, it was kind of a surreal moment, though, because I, just to be transparent here, I have seen pornography with Ron Jeremy before. Yeah. I've, I've watched it. And it was strange because uh, he knew we were musicians, and I guess he just carries this around with him. But we're sitting in the Rainbow Room, and he just pulls out a harmonica and starts playing the harmonica. So I'm sitting in the Rainbow Room in, on Sunset Street of Hollywood, California. A very famous porn star is playing his harmonica in this restaurant, a very hey. famous restaurant. And he's playing Amazing Grace looking at me. And he's just staring at me yeah. playing Amazing Grace. And I'm thinking, <laughs> I've seen this guy, like, 
have his own penis in his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> it is weird. That's the thing we're always trying to tell people is it's just you can't. It just is so weird that the set of experiences that we've had in this world for the stuff we've done, it's just too weird. The, the situations we get in from being, you're, you know, you're on stage yeah. at church one minute leading worship, singing Amazing Grace. Next thing you know, Ron Jeremy's playing Amazing Grace on his harmonica for you. That's weird. <laughs> Staring at you. Yeah, and he was, with, he was with a girl that was really interesting, and I thought it was really neat. Toby left, and Dave and I stayed a little longer, and uh, he was with a, a like a foreign girl. She was from... Ukraine actually and she was just she's a hustler model or something like that and so she was there with him and she had Dave sit down and uh beside her and she asked she asked asked us do we have a bump she was looking for cocaine and she was messed up um already but she was kind of nice I mean you know like I don't hate her or anything like that we sat down and talked to her she was nice and then she told Dave that uh that, she, that he looked good. She said something about him being attractive or something like that, and then said that she reminded him of her husband who had died. So, you know, and she's yeah. from Ukraine. She's been here, and I, you know, I can't, I don't know all of her backstory. Whatever she says, yeah, I'm a widow. So I don't know what else to say. Well, I, just, I think at that moment, that's what you realize why it's so amazing what Craig can do. I mean, it's really cool watching him sit there. I mean, think about what most guys would think about and do, sitting in between two or three porn stars mm-hmm. and uh you know a, a female that potentially would want to do anything get high with you do whatever and to honestly craig sees those people as man i just want to love this person yeah. i want to meet them where they're at and and i don't want to use them like they've been used i don't want to hurt them like they've been hurt i don't want to you know, you know the way i don't want to be the world to this person i just want to be a human to this person and meet them where they're at exactly what jesus did to us so it's really refreshing honestly i mean they're they it, it, it's amazing uh, what he does. And just hearing Ron Jeremy talk about Craig, how awesome it is. I mean, Ron Jeremy was telling story after story about people hitting on uh, the X3 c- crew and girls <laughs> wanting to hook up with them and stuff like that. And the guys were just like, no. Uh, I mean, we, we're not. that's not what we're here. We're not here to use you sexually. We're here just to talk to you and see where you're at and just have a conversation. And so that's why it's really cool. But it, it was a very surreal moment to be there. I mean, just thinking about how many people – no run people kept walking up over and over just oh, taking yeah. pictures with Ron Jeremy and 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 then just thinking like the idea of what people a lot of Christians would think you know that we were sitting there having dinner yeah, with Yeah, a lot of people would think what we did was really terrible was because they think of how who we were causing to stumble or yeah. something like why would you I mean a lot there's Christians that won't go to Applebee's cuz they have a bar cuz somebody could see them there and that would hurt people. So, I don't I don't really yeah. know what they even do with that. Yeah. I don't even know what planet we're on if that's the case. <laughs> Yeah. So it I mean, was, what do they do? What do they do with the blatant verses of the same sort of flack Jesus got? Oh, I know, because this is what they would say: say, okay, so how did it go when when you witnessed to Ron yeah. after you got French fries, which I didn't do. Maybe I missed the opportunity, but that I it didn't cross my mind, didn't come up. So does that make me shitty? I don't, I don't think so. You don't need to fit in uh, that your where your eternal <laughs> salvation lies. You don't just fit that in when you just meet somebody. Maybe after guacamole, though. It, no, I mean it's just like it's like so silly. That's what I'm saying. Like, have we minimized what Jesus Christ did to? Hey, Ron, I know you do porn. Let me tell you about Jesus. And now your whole life will change. And it, he, you know how many times he's heard that? Oh yeah, a lot. Uh, you know what does work for him? Craig going, hey, Ron, no matter what you believe, no matter where you're going to be or where you're going to be at, I'm just going to love you, man. And, and I would love it if you believed the way I did. But regardless, we're friends. You know how much that means to Ron? I saw it on Ron's face. Oh, yeah. I mean, Ron loves Craig. 
They think so. They're, they are friends. Oh, yeah. And that's way more than just, hey, I'm going to tell you about my agenda, what I think and what I believe, and then you better believe it too or else hellfire and brimstone. Because, I mean, it, that just that stuff just doesn't get through, and, and I don't think people get it. But anyway, basically, we Ron is going to produce mine and Matt's first porn. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I just said that because I knew the guy that wrote us would say, "Oh, see, now you're really, now you're really saying that sin is okay. You guys are gonna do your own porn. <laughs> We're not doing pornography." <laughs> All right, guys, how about we bring our good friend from the band May Rob on? But first, I just want to just talk about the BC Club for a little bit. You guys know what that is, right? <laughs> um, I, I'm pretty familiar with it, but could you tell me more? Yes, I I sure can, Matt. Here at Bad Christian, we have started the BC Club, and if you like what you're listening to right now, if you like the music that we've been putting out and are going to put out, if you like the blogs that we do, if you even remotely think that this is kind of cool and you kind of like this alternative Christian culture thing that we got going on here, then we would love your support. And that's what the BC Club is about. Dun, dun, We're not dun, trying to get money for free. Dun, We're not trying to just dun, dun, uh, dun, talk dun, you into anything. Dun, we only want you dun, to, dun, to support us dun, if... Dun, Joey, what are you doing? Dun, dun, dun. Can you stop? That didn't really help. Okay. What was that, Joey? It was. It's a grand old flag. It's a high flying flag. Yeah, that wasn't a good one, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> no, what Toby's saying is our our goal is to create, interact with, and change the culture that we live in, and so we're trying to do all these things. So it's not. I mean, yeah, we want you to help us pay for it. There's a lot more that we could do. We really do as humble as we come across sometimes, or deprecating, maybe I should say. We want to do a lot. We want to do a lot more. We'd love to do this podcast every day if we could, but obviously time and resources. We'd love to do a video podcast. There's tons of stuff that we are not able to do because we don't have the time and money to do it, but we are committed to making this podcast and the books and all those kinds of things that we can do for free. So the only way that's going to work is if some people will contribute, and we've had an overwhelming support with the launch of the N-Word uh, we're very thankful to every all of these people out here that have contributed so far because it's been a ton of amazing. Them. So let me tell you just a little bit about what the BC Club is. The BC Club is a group of monthly supporters that make it possible for us to even exist. So that's really cool. I mean, without you supporting us, and there are a lot of people already supporting us, which is pretty amazing, we wouldn't be able to do this. We have families. We have day jobs. We're on tour. We're doing so many things at once, and we cannot do it all without you guys. So we need you listening. We need you coming up with uh, ideas for our podcast. We need you sending in guests for our podcast. We need you emailing and Twittering guests to get it for our podcast. We need all kinds of help and the biggest thing you can do too is just tell people about us. And it's cool too because now, you know, you have an opportunity as well to earn, you know, perks such as free digital content, um, future album releases. There's certain levels of giving to where you just get all the releases uh, as they come out. But, you know, one thing that we've heard a lot of people say is how can we be a part and uh, a lot of you guys are part of what we do just by getting on Facebook and commenting and sharing content and that sort of thing. Well, this is just another avenue to be a part of what we're doing. Uh, and we're pretty excited about it as well because we like, you know, continuing to do what we do. And this is a way of getting some extra stuff, too, which which we like giving away as well. Yeah, and that's that's badchristian.com forward slash contribute. You get our new book, The M-Word, and a bunch of other perks. So go check it out today. All right, so we're going to talk to Rob from May in a little bit. Um, Joe, do you know Rob? 
I do not. You don't. Did you did you listen to May? Yeah, I did. I I was blown away by um uh what's that song? Their first big single. I heard it on a tooth and nail sampler and I was like, Holy crap, this is awesome. Um, I think was it called Destination Beautiful? That was the album. The album. That song it's a great album. Yeah, it's good. So anyway, Rob has a new project that he's doing right now that's very cool. It's called My God, It's Full of Stars. So he's got a uh, a new EP coming out that he's he has an Indiegogo campaign, and so that's what that's what he's been doing. So he left May for a while and then he came back, but this is what he's been working on, and it's a it's a good project. So we're going to talk to him about that project and the stuff that's been going on in his life because he's kind of had a a wild ride. So I know I, th- I know a little bit about it, but we'll explore it in the interview. But Rob's had a little bit of a wild ride since he left and came back to May. This music reflects it. So uh, we'll be right back with Rob, and we'll talk about it. All right, so let's talk about the Classic Crimes new album. That's what you're listening to right now. You hear those strings? You hear that production? That ain't messing around. Okay, so this album is called What Was Done, Volume 1, and it's songs from the last 10 years of the classic crime's career, revisited, reimagined, and, you know, new takes on these songs. So it's not like they just got the acoustic guitar out and threw a microphone and, and sang some old songs. They worked their asses off for months on this. There's tons of strings, production. It's really probably more work than it would have been to make another full album. It's tremendous. It, it really is a special record and I truly love it and one of the reasons is because it's the first full-length record on BC music and we were able to secure a distribution deal and get this record in stores so that's where you guys come in here you see it's important that people buy the physical music in stores still because we'll be able to ship more copies and get more stuff in stores over time now the store that's taking in the most of these CDs is FYE. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to run a contest for everybody who goes and buys this album in a store. We recommend go check out FYE. They're most likely to have it. So send us a picture of the album and your receipt, and we will draw five people to win a classic crime t-shirt and a bad Christian t-shirt that you choose. So to enter your picture, put it on Twitter with the hashtag TCCBC. That's TCCBC, as in The Classic Crime, Bad Christian. We'll pick the winners sometime next week and let you know. And if anybody out there is broke, please go listen to it for free on SoundCloud or on Spotify. This album is awesome. We love it. We hope everybody hears it and shares it regardless. Thank you, people. Need a new iPhone, but not eligible for an upgrade yet? Have you cracked your iPhone, but you can't afford a new one? Well, I've got good news for you. AppleCrossing.com offers new, used, and refurbished iPhones, iPads, iPods, and accessories. Now, we mentioned them last week, but I wanted to remind you again this week. Maybe you broke your iPhone since the last episode, or maybe you forgot to go look. So go do that during this episode. Go check out their selection and see if I'm telling the truth or not about their price. All their products are backed by an industry-leading 60-day warranty. So go to their website right now to view their complete 
inventory and unbeatable pricing. That's applecrossing.com. A-P-P-L-E-C-R-O-S-S-I-N-G.com. Okay, Rob, you comfortable over there on your end? Okay, sorry, it's a little bit noisy over here. I'm not uh, I'm not at home. Well, I am, but I'm at my parents' place. I just got back from Nashville, so I'm crashing here for a couple of days before I return to Virginia. That's cool. So you live in Virginia, so but you're at your parents' place. Where is that? It's in Oklahoma. Oh, uh, in Oklahoma. Yeah, Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, which is close to Tulsa. Is that where you grew up? No, I grew up in Hong Kong, actually. Wow. Dang. Till what age? Until uh, I was 15. And then uh, came back to the States to... Uh, to I don't know, guess finish high school and college and figure out what it, what it was that I was going to do from there. But um, yeah, so I've 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 been across the globe. That's crazy, Rob. When did you start playing keyboard? You've been playing since you were little. Yeah, I've been playing since uh, I was five. I started to take piano lessons. Can you hang on for a second? I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> All right, I'm terribly sorry about that. Okay, I'm, I'm back. <laughs> So we, we were talking about playing music. You've been playing music your whole life and doing keyboards, huh? Yeah, I've been playing piano since I was about five. <clears throat> I followed suit. Uh, I followed my I followed my sisters. They were playing classical music and um, kind of wanted to try that. So I did that till I was about fifteen, and then my dad gave me a, a dictionary of piano chords, and um, I sat there and spent hours learning like all of the uh, the root chords inversions. And um, just realized that I could start to write stuff on my own, and then that's when my classical career plummeted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know it's, it you can turned be really, to pop, huh? That's the same way what is for for me when I was learning music and guitar and stuff like that. As soon as you figure out stuff by ear, you quickly exceed what you could do in your development as far as reading and stuff. So if if you have a good ear and can figure out chords, you're off and away, and it's like there's no reason to go back and have to learn the dotted eighth note for Yankee Doodle just to try to play a melody, you know? <laughs> Yankee Doodle, nice. <laughs> um, yeah, of course. I I learned all the rudiments, which which I do think was essential or is essential for for um, any pianist who wants to get around the keyboard um, um, proficiently, but. Uh, thereafter, I, once I learned the chords, then I think um, I, I didn't want to replicate anybody else's songs after that. Yep, I hear you. <laughs> we can, <laughs> so I guess the. How you, long have you worked at uh, Pet Shop? Um, <laughs> I've been working at PetSmart now for about uh, <laughs> five years. It's been great. It's been really cool moving up, getting into yeah. a managerial position. Yeah, yeah. Listen, man, from playing keyboards to to uh, supervisor of PetSmart, it's great. <laughs> Well, so Rob, I guess if you look back at the two thousands, you know, tooth and nail lineup, that the only difference in and you it was under oath and you guys and us, and we all had keyboard players, but y'all just didn't have a screamer, so that was your biggest problem. <laughs> yeah, uh, thinking about Dave doing any kind of screaming is, <laughs> is hilarious to me. Because there, there's not been a ton of rock bands even before the two thousands. Like keyboards weren't a major part of them, and that's one thing I thought was cool about May is there. there I guess it was. I mean, keyboards were a weird thing, you know, through the nineties. There wasn't a lot of bands that had, you know, a stage keyboard player in a rock band. I didn't think. Did you? Was there a lot that you were influenced by, or did you, for you was it just throwing the keyboard in? Well, with a rock I, th band? I think keyboards. I think keyboards have been per, have been staples of rock bands uh, before, right? I mean, well, in the eighties, I feel like they were. Seventies, eighties, yeah, but the nineties, not. Nineties is grunge, a lot of guitar, and and a lot of yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but 
yeah, I, I, I did notice that. I know that when we started playing together, one of the reasons that Dave had me, or Jacob and Dave actually were the ones that started me, one of the reasons that they had me come over to work on some music with them or just to even play with them was because they wanted to incorporate um, keys as an element. So yeah. I brought that into it. And it did seem like around the time that you guys, us, and Under Oath were kind of like uh, rising up, I guess, in 2002, 2003 or so, that um, I guess the only other band that was kind of in the indie scene or on drive through Records that was getting any notoriety, uh, not notice, notoriety, but notice was uh, something corporate. Oh, yeah, and, that's um, true. And all that. So, oh, and then Jimmy at World, of course, was like, adding uh keyboard lines to their songs so that that made it a little bit different but so. before i just remember when though when that was all starting in that scene and there was a keyboards there i feel like you and and stuff we were doing was not you know individually but kind of bringing it back i think keyboards yeah no became, no i agree now they're I a staple of every little local screamo opener band you ever see after <laughs> after we came out and and we were all doing keyboards then after that they became it looked like a guitar, just a normal thing that everybody would have. So No, you're absolutely right. I, I, I would definitely agree with that. And I believe out of all the keyboard players in any of our related bands, you are certainly the dude with the chops. That's no, for sure. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about that, but I appreciate you saying that. Thank you very much. No, I totally believe it. it's really funny. Earlier you were like, you know, learn your rudiments, and that way you can get move around the keyboard. Well, Josh, our keyboard player, he actually physically <laughs> moves around the keyboard. Yeah. <laughs> you know what, though? You know what? The, the fans love it. So. You know, yeah, somebody told Josh, like, here's how you move around the keyboard, and he, uh, thought bubble pictures. Yeah. <laughs> here's all the thought scales bubble. you learn to move around the keyboard here. <laughs> move around the keyboard. Move yeah. around the keyboard. Dance around move the, keyboard the keyboard around. Dude, <laughs> guys, he, he does a fantastic job for you guys, and uh, it's it's awesome to watch. You guys put on such a such a stellar show to watch. That oh, thanks, man. It's awesome. Yeah. yeah. You guys, honestly, overall, have been one of our favorite bands, uh, just because we knew you guys a little bit, got to tour with you a little bit, but just, uh, you know, great musicians as well. Toby, yeah. you're being guilty of what Joey always is, and you're not anywhere close to your microphone right oh, now. Oh, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> Uh, so, but, so you guys toured forever and you did a bunch of stuff and then when did you decide you didn't want to do it anymore? Yeah. What happened? Okay. Here we go. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Take it, your it shoes is, off. Is, get a warm drink. Yeah. No, it's the elephant. It's the elephant in the room really. Cause it, it, no one really spent, uh, any kind of time, uh, I guess, explaining it, which I guess no one really had to, but I'm sure, so I'm sure some people are wondering what exactly happened. Like, we seemed to be such a strong team all the way up until Singularity, and then all of a sudden, uh, Rob Schweitzer leaves leaves the band. It was I know at the time it was definitely a, a little bit of a shock to to the band, uh, to my bandmates, and it was definitely a shock to our fan our fan base. It's just one of those things where there's a lot of stress. There are a lot of stressors that are involved, and I I, I think you guys probably are are aware of that as well. Anybody who's in a band. Um, they say that the average lifespan of a band of, of a band is five years. So I mean, we were definitely above above average in terms of of, of life. But um, a lot of stressors. Uh, we were on capital, and um, uh, there was some stress coming from that. That's when the whole music industry was imploding. Everybody on our on our capital team that was that believed in us had gotten fired. We got shifted from the West Coast to the East Coast. Our shows weren't doing so well um, promoting Singularity. They were like undersell shows across from the East Coast to the West Coast and um, uh, shows that we were selling out um, or venues that we were selling out easily uh, literally six to 12 months um, prior to doing this under underplay uh, tour were not selling out. Um, and we're, we're feeling some pushback on uh, everything Singularity from our fans and we weren't getting any support from, uh, from our major label. Um, 
at all on on this new major label debut so there was a lot of stress involved there there was stress involved with the singularity writing and then um really what it was between between me and the band was mostly between me and and dave um and there's there's nothing secretive about that at this point we've we both talked about in interviews and um and so some people know about it but yeah there was there was some intern there was an intra-band uh struggle and tension that just reached its apex when we were on our, our final tour uh, in Singularity. And um, So were you, you said that it was, a sh- it was even a shock to your band when you left. So um, It's sort of a shock, right? It's like we, we put up with it. I think everybody saw it coming, but we uh-huh. put up with it, and you figure, like, you know, we're all, we're all a team to, like, to make our dreams come true, so we're not going to do anything to put anything in jeopardy. But at that at that particular point it just had for me had reached a point where i i felt like uh i needed to move on so you and dave are are good or at least good in some way now and y'all are playing again right yeah absolutely so so Um, it sounds if y'all made up if you don't mind tell us more about what was the problem between you and you two at that time yeah it's just um he he was at a different place in terms of the way that he looked at business and um it, it was different from the way that i looked at it and then there was just like some creative tension between us and um, and I guess what what really was the case was that we never really communicated with each other very well. Uh, mm-hmm. We we were just very passive aggressive to one another. And if you don't, commu- I think I think differences are good and creative tensions are good if you can open up and just talk about stuff. Right. Um, and that's not something that we were good at. And so things just started to escalate in terms of like um, scenarios that we would play up in in our own heads about what each other were feeling. And that may not have been the case, but that's what we thought. So we got into arguments. Um, our our fights started to get a little bit more intense. And uh, I think I believe it was in Seattle, our Seattle show, where uh, we got into a, a real big blowout fight. And um, and that was it. I just decided that uh, I probably should just go back to Virginia. And at the time, I was married, work on work on my family life, and and pursue um, other expressions of music that I really wanted to uh, to get going. So you, how long have you been married then? I think I had been married a few years. I, we were together for for uh, five, and then I then married for five. But I was on the road that entire time during our relationship. So, at that time, I was probably like three years married, three years into the marriage. Yeah, and, and so you just felt like that when you got in that big fight after all that stuff that you you wanted to just it was just too much stress on you personally. To yeah, it was. Continue doing that. It was stressful. Things weren't going well with the band. It was stressful for me. I I felt like. If I could be at a place, I, I was missing my wife, and I was just like, well, if I can just be home and working on my own music, and um, you know, being careful with the money that I I had I had saved as a result of working with May for like seven to eight years, and and then I could I could rejuvenate my career basically on my own, and then I can work on my family life at home, and everything will be great. So, um, especially if I'm not fe- if if there's uh, if it didn't feel like anything was going to be solved or re- yeah. or resolved on the road. It, it meant that I should just go. Those I band tensions, leave. man, it, it is tough. Because, I mean, I think that's one thing that a lot of people don't realize. Like, when they think about music or being in a band, it's, oh, man, just on stage, getting to be creative and all that stuff. And what they don't realize is that's about 45 minutes a day. The other 24 hours you're on, you know, the other 23 and a half hours you're on a bus or in a van with those dudes. And real life happens. And, you know, yeah. attitudes happen. And I'm sure it sounds like even you're taking responsibility for that as well. So, I, I don't I don't think you're talking bad about no, that No, absolutely, at all. But, no. But There's those, no finger pointing uh, here. Yeah, yeah, totally. But those those things happen. I mean, we 
same thing with us. Like our, our bass player, Joel, is just like Joel now still one of my best friends, but being in a band together was so hard. Like <laughs> creatively and just the same things, like how he viewed what his day should look like and our day should look like <laughs> stuff was, is just, at, I mean, we were in two different universes and it was just, yeah. you know, and so after we got out of a band together, we actually were able to be closer together. It's kind of the same things like with my parents. I remember like, I, I used to, you know, it was the worst thing in the world. And then once I moved out, you know, then I was actually able to see my parents in a different light and stuff like that. So I, I understand that happens. But yep. also uh, leading into this next question, it sounds mm -hmm. like you said you wanted to. Uh, so the band wasn't doing as well as you, you guys had been doing. And so that probably helped make it a little easier to, to leave, uh, too. But you said you wanted to work on your family. What, what was going on there? Obviously, it, what, was that needing some help, too? Well, yeah, it's it's I, I at the time I didn't think that anything had was was deeply at at, at I don't um a miss or anything like that. It's just it's just I felt like um it'd be good to like spend some time with with my my wife and and you know instead of being if I'm going to be out on the road and getting into arguments all day long and we're not progressing as a band, then I'd rather be home working on our relationship. I don't think at right. the, at the time I felt like there was anything um that that was that was indicating that we were on the downward slope but apparently uh apparently there was you know there's there's time apart um being on the road there's um financial stresses uh, she was a she was a nurse she was a, a newly graduated rn working in uh, virginia beach general hospital and she was uh, having to deal with a lot of stressful um situations you know every single night and she's she's pulling these shifts you know to like to help make ends meet and um, and I'm doing my best as well. But uh, again, communication is so key in relationships. I think that's you know it's it's in, in any relationship really. You know whether it be in a band or or your your work colleagues or or your family or your friends. And that's what suffered in our relationship is just um, um, I guess she was I guess we were just both uh, not wanting or just not 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 that we were deliberately not wanting to communicate. We just felt like things were okay and uh, I, and apparently they weren't so was that connected to like as soon as you got home because you'd spent so much time apart it was hard to it was it, did you find it harder to be together like that was part of yeah, it yeah i mean well she was working she was work she was pulling like three shifts at at the at the general at beach general and um and so i mean yeah i guess that's i we didn't see each other a whole lot but when we did see each other it was definitely different from me being out on the road and coming back for like two weeks and then back out on the road and what do you yeah. think you were going to do career-wise there at that time? um i was working on i was working on demos i was i was writing every single day and i was like i was pumping out demos and musical ideas and um stuff that i was uh that was different from me and that i really wanted to uh to to, to, to develop to develop and um uh but unfortunately, I, I started to um, spiral downward into uh, a fairly severe depression. Um, and as a result of that, my health suffered. And so, um, and then as a result of that, one thing, one after the other, just started to, to fall apart, including my marriage. Did that um, happen quickly? Yeah, I would say things kind of progressed fairly quickly when I got, when I, when I left uh, the band after our Singularity tour and... Um, back in 2007 and then I, steadily from 2007 to 2009 just things things fell apart so in, in every uh, way possible we talk about depression a lot on the show because joey uh has depression or yeah. or, or struggles what well, i don't know how people talk about it but how, how do you talk about that is it did you catch the depression disease or were you just sad or did you had a medical thing was how do you feel about that stuff 
Um, I think depression is a huge, it's, it's expansive. In other words, there are many different subcategories of it. There's some that are medically, uh, that, that are there because it's a medical, a bonafide medical condition with the, um, either the lack of certain chemicals that we all have, um, uh, when, when they're, when they're, when they're operating perfectly in our body, we're okay. But when they're not, or they're missing, then you have depression. That's, there's medical depression, there's circumstantial depression, um, and, I think I think a lot of that had I think a lot of circumstantial depression is is what I had um with just one thing uh um falling apart right after the other. I also think it's also a, a combination of things throughout you know the, the period of time the decades the few decades that I've been here on this planet, you know, and and not dealing with it and not talking about it and it building up. So um where I don't think that I'm, I'm necessarily, uh, it's like a medical condition for me. It's, uh, it's, it's based on a lot of, a lot of stresses or stressors, um, that have occurred in my life over the course of time. And, uh, just one trigger after another in terms of the specifics of me, my, my marriage falling apart and like leaving the band and then me questioning my self-worth, my ability to get back into the music. Um, was anything that I did any good? Um, what's the point? of of carrying on if i can't if i can't if i can't be successful in, in a family life or i can't be successful with my band or i can't be successful in my project that i'm working on all that stuff just um i i felt like i could take it on myself but i wouldn't talk to anybody about it because there really wasn't anybody to talk to about it so yeah. it just built and built and built and um there there has always been it always seemed to me that there was a dark cloud um or a dark presence that was uh that was encircling me that sounds really rough, Rob. Just to acknowledge that I can't really. Yeah. Ma- I mean, when stuff goes even bad for me, it's easy to yeah question self worth and can I do this? I can't imagine having two or three major things pile up. I think that would qualify anybody to be some form of depression. Yeah, it's it's usually we can take it in in punches, you know. And I mean, we're resilient as human beings. We really are. Um, and our resilience is only made stronger when we when we have good people that we can share things with and and talk it out and and. Um, let them know what's going on. They can they can be like a sounding board to to help us realize that um, the problems may not necessarily be as big as they are. It's just uh, you have to you have to live each day at, at a time, and and um, and you can get through it. But when you're on your own and you're not like talking to people about it, it uh, one punch after another or one avalanche slide in my case after another can can bury you down pretty quick, uh, deep in the dark. So. Yeah, I mean that. I think everybody can understand that though. I mean, you were in a world famous band that was doing great, and then all of a sudden that started not doing great to the point where you quit. And then you get home and are like, now what? Trying to figure out what your career is going to be and your wife and you's relationship just falls apart. So what, right. was, what was the breaking point with you and your wife? Um, no, I mean, yeah, we're not together anymore. I'll just skip right to the point. <laughs> uh, we're, we're not together anymore and, and we've both, we have, we have both moved, moved on. Um, but this is as, was, as, as of when? Uh, as of 2011, that was the, that was the final day of the divorce um that's i mean we had been separated for a while but you know how divorces are they, yeah. they take forever in the court so um so just as we're moving to that joey what from your depressed brain what what's what how do you take rob's talking about depression there what sticks out to you from your lens um i guess my question is how do you personally gauge whether or not you have like a physical uh chemical obstacle and you know how do you gauge that you don't have that and it's just 
you know, circumstantial? Um, well, I mean, I was, I was finally clinically diagnosed as having depression, um, back in February of last year. And yeah. I, I mean, I guess this is an all, this is an all out honesty session here. So, <laughs> uh, and I'm not afraid to share it because it's just that's part of that's part of what this whole project's about. I want to I want to bring awareness to to depression, but uh, and 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 that we need to communicate about it more. But it's like what happened was is that um, in February of 2013 last year, I had gotten to a point where all of this stuff was just weighing heavily on me, and um, I I attempted uh, I attempted to take my own life uh, at the end of February. Um, I had a someone intervened and called uh the er uh, not er but 911 every the whole the whole thing went down and uh, the cops were there and uh, um the ambulances were out and uh i was transported to um i was transported to uh the emergency room at at um portsmouth naval or maryview maryview medical center over in portsmouth and um that's where um that's where things got strange for me because all of a sudden I found myself for five hours in the waiting. I found myself for five hours in the waiting room um, being questioned by clinical therapists. Um, and then all of a sudden I was, uh, I was wheeled over to the uh, behavioral uh, sciences ward, which is basically the mental ward. And I was like, I thought I was going to be released. And they're like, and no, you've been, you have a temporary detention order. Um, that has wow. been, that has been issued against you, not it, that has been issued for you on behalf of the, uh, you know, um, because of the situation based so, on your interview with that person. Yeah. Well, no, I think, I think the, the, the police that were involved were just like, this guy wants to take his own life. We don't know if he's safe. So uh -huh. they, they went to the magistrate and got a, a TDO and, um, and I didn't learn about it until I was being admitted to the, uh, to the, to the ward. Well, were so you, I, were you okay physically? Were you injured in your attempt? Uh, I had, um, I had, uh, I had, I had, um, I had cut my wrists and, um, obviously I'm here. It wasn't, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't, it wasn't deep enough to, to do any permanent damage, but thank you for sharing that. But yeah, I know that has to be tough, man. Yeah. I, um, it's, I mean, we're all, it, I, there's no reason to really to cover up or, yeah. or I want people to know that this is, that this is serious. Um, so I mean, I spent the I spent the next two days after I was admitted in the in the psych ward, and um, and you have to be you have to be prodded mentally by all these these uh, therapists and psychologists, and then I have to have a hearing to figure out whether I should be released or indefinitely kept um, for until until the the therapist or the psychologist deem that I'm I'm fit enough to uh, to be released. So that was an experience all in its own. I couldn't believe that I was there, and neither could my friends uh, when they found out that I was there were were astounded that that um I had gotten to that place so so every nobody even saw that coming they they probably thought man he's going through a tough time he's just trying to figure out stuff but nobody thought you were that low yeah yeah and I, I do a pretty good job of of um of maintaining a smile on my face yeah um so I I don't want to be anybody's burden and um and that's that's kind of how my how I took that approach so 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 Rob uh feel free to not answer any of these questions but to be honest like uh suicide we have come across so many folks that have attempted suicide or have been thinking about it have been going through it like we do these living room shows and honestly sometimes there's a, a third of the crowd that'll raise their hand that said they've thought about committing suicide right can you take us to that place where what what was that even i mean I'm, I'm sure leading up to that day but even that day of 
I can't be here tomorrow. And and what like how do you like the idea of like okay, I know there's ways to kill yourself and you just you chose that one. Like what where were you at mentally? And honestly, if it's too difficult to talk about, don't worry about it, but it it would help me to understand how you can get there. Well, I mean, you said other people didn't see it coming. Did yeah. you see it coming for like weeks away or for Well, it's not like I it's not, it's not like the first time I've ever thought about it. Uh-huh. You know, it's right. not like the thought just sprung up in my mind that day. It's like right. I I've been battling with that for I I would say I would say a few years before I was even before I was even clinically diagnosed. Wow. Um, but you know, you you think you th- yeah, there's just been ways to like talk myself out of it. Plus, being in the band, you know things are going well. You're busy. You don't really have time to think about that. But when whenever I'm able to close my eyes at night and go to bed, and it, or you know, there's plenty of time to like to think about these things, you know. And honestly, it didn't do any good because I um, because I had I was uh, par- part of um, alleviating some of that depression uh, was was drinking. And I can definitely say that uh, I was not I was not of the right mindset when that happened. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I just, uh, I, I had gotten in, uh, I had gotten into an argument with, at that time, my, um, my, uh, a close friend of mine and we, and, um, I just, I, at that, that particular day, I just felt like, um, you know, what's the point? I just make everybody so displeased, disappointed, and even more importantly, I disappoint Dang. myself. Yeah. So I went upstairs and then I just shut the bathroom door and I, I selected music to listen to. I am a musician, I guess, uh, and um, I just finished off. Uh, I finished off like a, a bottle of wine and like something else, um, a, more of a, like a spirit type uh, drink, and then um, you know attempted to uh, you know to put an end to it all. Well, so you, you well, said that it's not the first time you thought about it, and this is from the campaign of your new project, and we'll, we're going to talk more about that in a minute. But sure. you, I, I really like this in there because you quoted or paraphrased Schopenhauer, the, the philosopher, which. Uh, he, I think he's pretty cool anyway. And he says, you said here that you, your fear of death was outweighed by your fear of living or really the exhaustion of trying and my perceived failure to live. So right. you're saying that it's you were afraid of death. And so to to be suicidal, if I understand correctly, is to be scared of death and not want. To, it's not really so much you want to die. It's just you're more anxious about what it would mean to continue living. Yeah, I, I think that's one of the, and that's why I quoted that because that I read, um, I've read his book uh, on suicide, and um, that was one of the things. That's one of the things that I've wondered about is why do people do it, um, and why do I want to do it? And I thought that phrase was was perfect. It's 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 a perfect description, I think, of what we go through. Those those who are are experiencing depression to the point where they want to. Uh, they just don't want to deal with it anymore. Um, I think it's a perfect expression. It's like everything uh, that's going on in your life is so dissatisfactory, and um, it's just uh, you don't feel like you're making any kind of end end roads to to progressing as a, as a human being. That uh, that um, weighs heavier than what it would be like to to cut yourself um, or to to do anything to like end your life. So then so. the people then after you're in the hospital and you're in the psych ward, which they have it cleverly named at the what is it the behavioral science behavioral yeah section <laughs> yeah that's exactly it okay so now you're in there and then is it the cops uh, or the doctors calling your friends and family and telling them to come down or like, no there was nothing there because it was like three it was like three thirty in the morning I, it was something out of Twilight Zone there was one solitary uh, nurse um, that 
that just told me what was happening and that I, I was assigned a room. There was a roommate in there with someone, someone else who was going through something. Uh, this may be uh, a crazy question, but when do they give you like happy pills, like pain medication, something to make you feel good and not, not sad? Uh, they do that to a lot of their patients there. Um, for me, it was, um, yeah, they did. They started me. They started me on an antidepressant medication, but it wasn't. It wasn't something strong, you know, like that they would give to somebody who is, uh, you know. They didn't dope you out like on the movies where you just stay there and drool all day. No, but that's not to say that it doesn't happen. I yeah. I didn't happen to go through that. No. And so your family, I, I, this is what I can't understand. After something like that, even just if it's any any medical problem or trauma or car wreck or anything, why would why wasn't somebody called immediately, like your family or something? Um, I'm not sure, and I, I'm not sure how much information they were able to get from me. Uh, I see. At intake, so I, I didn't. See. I wasn't listing anybody emergency wise. Um, and plus, I'm, I'm in Portsmouth, Virginia. There's like nobody there. I don't. There's all my friends are abroad. I don't have any family that's that's in Virginia. So um, I'm not exactly sure why that happened. And so when I mean, how long were you there, and when did other people get involved? I I had to uh, I had to make a call and. Um, it was. I think it was the next day. I, I called uh, a friend of mine who have, uh, uh, happened to be um, my uh, my boss at the time at the law firm that I was working at, and um, and so then he. That's when he got involved, and then that's um, that's when some other people knew about it and were able to come in and visit me, and and um, yeah. So that's how that worked. Wow, that's crazy, man. That's just tough, tough to hear. And you know, I I think what's good about your approach to talking openly and I'm I'm similar with that is is that if there's so many people a that they don't want to talk about it because they're embarrassed and they know the sort of perception people will have uh, sure. towards them sure. but I think secondarily the more it's talked about the more some people will rethink man it is is everything okay with me and and there's there's a flip side of that. I do think that society is over-medicated. Like, I think that there are a lot of people that are on medication mm -hmm. that um, may not need to be because it's just something that we do now. We just sure. pre prescri prescribe things. Right. Uh, but I do think there's a lot of people that are depressed and they don't know it. I mean, I know for certain that my depression goes at least back to high school yeah. and I just got used to life being that way. I mm -hmm. just got used to pulling up in the high school parking lot, getting out of the car with basically a, a, a cloud over my head, mm -hmm. just dreading everything and just scared of this and worried about that. And I was just like, well, I guess that's just how that's, that's how life is. You know his I mean? dad has depression, but he thinks it's indigestion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my dad, it could be I, the case. Well, it's my dad enough, right? Well, it's just, the thing too, is it's not talked about. So when you like, especially growing up in the South, my dad's a really strong guy, you know, worked hard his whole life and, uh, sure. you know, in factories and stuff like that. And then, so we had a conversation one time and he just said something like, uh, yeah, he said, you know, there's, uh, last while you know i haven't been feeling good for quite a long time even to the point where i just didn't even want to get up out of bed i just wanted to lay there but i went to the doctor and they prescribed me some medicine it was just indigestion and, and but the <laughs> but the but the medicine they prescribed him was depression medication yeah it was like oh jeez uh, uh zoloft yeah it was for Zol his, yeah. For his yeah, indigestion. Yeah, for yeah 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 and so he couldn't even realize like he didn't even it didn't even make sense to him like depression doesn't sound like that sounds like a weakness to my dad you know what i mean like 
oh, oh you did, a you, lot you, of people. You just muscle through that. Sure. And so that's what I've always heard my whole life. So it's even when we found out, you know, the, he must have just like not been able to process what the doctor was saying, and he just told him, he just you, can't. you need this, and and he goes, oh, so there's something wrong with it. Medicine will help. Yeah. Well, that wouldn't be sad. Right. That doesn't. Yeah. That's what didn't make that's sense. All he can go. You just muscle through it, and you, you know, no big deal. But yeah, right. he goes through that stuff. So it's it's hard. I mean, for Matt, to Matt and Toby, realize. don't you? Don't you think you guys have a little bit of skepticism with all this? Well, I totally admit to not being able to understand it, and I totally do admit to being skeptical and saying, "Is this person just saying this, or why would they mm. do this?" And I mean, mm. if they're if they're naturally this way, then maybe that's naturally the way they're supposed to be, or whatever. However, over I would say the last one year dealing with Joey is it's so bizarre that it could only it makes way more sense to me now when he's in a really mood that really irritates me, and I don't like it, and. I'm like, wait a minute, this is a totally, he's acting like a totally different person than he normally does. So that is easier for me to say, that's not him choosing to just be a moron. Like, that makes sense to me that he, <laughs> it makes sense that there must be something wrong with his stupid brain. All right, All right so so for the th- thousands of our listeners, what what is what is Joey that, what what's the Joey that pisses you off? How does he act? Well, there's times where you are going through what you would call depression. Or Rob's what, uh, enjoying this. <laughs> <laughs> keep, keep, keep going. <laughs> and uh, there's times where you just don't want to do anything or be funny or whatever. There's times when we've done the podcast where I was like, oh, I guess j- this is just who Joey is right now. And, and so th- there's not getting any – you're like, maybe you're going to try and power through, but you don't – you know, it's like so, you're not all the way there. Like Toby was saying the other day when you, we beat box and you didn't join him, and then he called you a piece of shit right after. He, Toby said he <laughs> was, really was mad at you for not he- helping. Because Toby feels like, well, I'm here. I have to do this. I don't get out of it, and you're just going to sit there. <laughs> right, and so, and, then, and then I get frustrated because people go, well, I mean, I'm, I'm, my identity is an asshole, but that, that, nobody feels bad for me or, you know, or, or tries to understand. So that's, I, like, well, like here, I said, I don't, I don't have a skepticism, no, because I see it in you. I, I do see you struggling with it. You don't want to be that way. So that's not yeah, here's something. What's that's crazy. Not something. Yeah, here's what's crazy is, is what you guys are talking about, and I'm sure Rob can relate to. I promise you. I and I I'm not insinuating that you guys think this. I think you guys would would agree with me. I don't approach a particular podcast episode when I'm depressed thinking, oh, I don't give a shit. I'm not going to really try or anything. I mean, I I actually am surprised sometimes when you guys are picking up on it. To y'all, it's obvious. You're like, how could you be surprised that we're picking up on how lame you are right now? But I'm thinking, oh no, I'm totally covering it up. And that's how I mean, it would be like uh, it's the same thing when I come home and I'm depressed. I'm just like, okay, I'm going to do the best I can to be a good husband, be a good dad. I just walk in the house and Priscilla can tell, you know mm-hmm. I mean? It's just, yeah. Uh, I would describe it as like, you're not really there. Like it's something, it's some amount of presence or like, I don't know if it's in your eyes or no, it's not in your eyes. Cause I can tell over the internet when I'm talking to you, it's just, you're, it's just mechanical. Your responses seem automated. It's just, it's just, it's, it's pretty easy to tell. Rob, was your depression, um, did, did that affect your marriage? Were you struggling with it while you were married? Sure. I mean, I, I, here's, here's my wife that's working super hard, and, and then I'm, I'm in bed every yeah. morning. You know? yeah. So and, that uh, had to be really uh, – uh, yeah. did, did she understand depression? Because that was probably tough for her because she, she goes, well, you've been making money in this band, and now you quit, and now you're just here. And it, it, mm-hmm. that, was that frustrating for her? Um, yeah, yeah, it, it, it was, um, I, I, I don't fault her for any of what it was that she didn't understand at the time. I mean, I didn't even understand that I was going through something. Um, but 
yeah, it, I, I would definitely say that my my lack of responsiveness to uh, the needs of the family at that time uh, definitely contributed to uh, a further downward um, fall uh, in the strength of the relationship, and and ultimately it's 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 final demise. So, all right, let's let's get into. I mean, I don't even know how this story ends or where where it's at. But what? So, what about after you left the hospital? What did anything change? Yeah, I, I went to counseling for a little bit to talk it out. Um, I got put on some antidepressant medication to to um, the whole point of that was to uh, even me out a little bit, I guess, so that I didn't feel some of the the, the more depressing. Uh, portions of my life at the time, it takes apparently eight weeks or so for it to uh, for your your brain to uh, form the receptors for that medication. So they said for me to not quit it for eight weeks at least. So I was on it for a good period of time. Um, did it make a difference? Uh, I, I would say that it made a difference in making me feel uh, nothing. Um, so I guess that was successful because now I I didn't feel any. I didn't really feel everything. Just seemed to be very vanilla. Oh, uh, and bland, and so um, sure, I, I wasn't feeling the intent, the intensity of like the pain or uh, the anxiety or the depression of life, but I definitely wasn't feeling anything else at that point either. So, um, I, I, uh, you know, I think it works differently for some people. For some people, it you'll see you'll see people review these types of medications and say that it really helped, and other people will say that it didn't help. Um, yeah. Everybody has their own path that they have to be very. Uh, perceptive about, uh, perceptive and proactive about in managing their depression and um, and for me I just had to take a different route so, so. De- uh, in addition uh, aside from depression what uh what about you personally what, what happened in your life since then um trying to get it back together you know um, basically I uh, was working at, at a law firm uh, as an associate and um, also studying for the bar exam uh, to 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 get my Virginia license so I could become a full full an official associate um, at the firm and um, trying to uh, pursue that instead of what kind of law? Of, it's just general litigation. It's like mm-hmm. it's, it's general practice, uh, civil litigation, uh, some criminal defense, and um, and um, uh, your your injury case. You already had all cases. the school for that. Yeah, I graduated. I had in two thousand and before the ban, I, I had gotten my juris doctor degree. So, oh, that's great. Um, I have my law degree. But anyways, I, I you know I'm just trying to, um, to 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 be proactive in pursuing things um, that make me happy. And part of it was to have to say goodbye to the to the law firm because I wasn't performing um, like I should be because I just uh, for for th- I worked there for three years and I was doing a fantastic job. And then just recently in the last six months, it was just. Um, I'm just I'm not happy, and uh, to 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 be at that place, and um, yeah, I had to take some proactive measures, and one of them was to just go ahead and move forward with with this EP, and getting this music out that has been in my system for a good amount of years, I'd say seven years, and um, something was just telling me to you have to stop playing it safe in terms of like being here in Virginia and working at a law firm with the expectation of becoming an attorney for the rest of your life in something that you hate and do what it is that you have you have met obstacles uh, in, in getting to but you can you can get over those obstacles and because nothing comes easy nothing worth it comes easy 
um, fight the battle and make this EP, get it done finally. And that's what I did. It's the first step I really feel that I've taken that is going that has uh, taken some, uh, significant strides in, in in healing me. So so this EP is my God is full of stars. That's the, that's the title of the 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 project itself. Correct. And it's the M twenty nine EP. So this music on this that you have the Indiegogo campaign going for right now. This is mm-hmm. music that you wrote and had all the way through this whole process that we've been talking about. Basically, the the ideas come from from that period of time, but uh, they definitely were finished uh, or put together more so um, just recently. Well, we're, we're, we'll li- let's listen to a track here. Y'all want to hear some of it? Yeah, it'd be great. Okay. So, but before we do that, I, I mean, I know this is a fun, this is a funny question, almost an amateur one, but I, w- I want to know from your point of view, Rob, how do, how would you describe this music if you could frame it for the listeners? Like, what what do you think this kind of music is? The best thing I could do is maybe like put a couple of other bands in your mind. Maybe uh-huh. um, there's a British band called Elbow um, that uh, I think has influenced my music um, a little bit. There's also a little bit of um, a, a rock a rock element of uh, Delta Spirit, maybe a little bit of Fire Theft, but of course, um, you know, minus the impressive vocals of uh, Jer- <laughs> Jeremy Enoch. I definitely have my own brand or character voice that I'm sure you'll you'll be hearing. But um, yeah, it's th- those types of bands I think influence this music. There's some uh, there's some dreaminess to it, and obviously there's some piano to it, but um, it's not going to be an EP that is built completely on acoustic piano uh, pieces. All right, so let's we'll listen to a song called Lightness of Being. Cool. And this is this is still a demo, so it's going to be This fully... particular song is a demo. Yeah, it, it it's going to be a little bit different on the uh, the finished EP. Okay, so let's listen to just a some a little bit of time of this song called Lightness of Being. It's a demo. All right.
Well, that's great, man. I mean, you're kind of uh, a little self-deprecating on your vocals there. It, honestly, it was, it's really good. <laughs> that, oh, that, thanks, that man. Really good. Yeah, I'm in, I appreciate I'm, I'm, in, it. I'm enjoying what I'm hearing. What is here, deprecating? So. He said he had a character voice. Is that like a character no, no, he, actor? He said his voice wasn't as good as Jeremy Enoch, and I. You know, <laughs> it's, it's not. Trust me. But I mean, I think we all know that Jeremy Enoch <laughs> is an amazing, dude. But. Um, but no, I appreciate that. Um, what else do you want people to know about this EP? Like we, it, this is important because this 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 really chronicles stuff you went through, and it's a it's about depression and, and even suicide and stuff. Is that why it's so important for people to? Well, it's it's not it's not necessarily just about those things, but it does. The songs come from a place that is both dark and both also positive and 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 light. There's no there's no actual finding the answer because I don't think we ever necessarily get to that place but it's uh it's a journey uh along with me and and the stuff that i talk about or, or sing about in these songs um basically talk about uh about lightness and darkness being paths uh in our lives to get to that next place and that darkness doesn't have to be something that you fear it's something that you can embrace along with light as 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 paths as they become one path to getting to your to your next stage and not to be and, and to understand that depression is, um, or the obstacles that you face with depression, can get you to that next place where, um, where you need to grow as a human being to be stronger for not only yourself but for those that you love, um, and that it's important for people to know that they play a prominent role not only in their their lives but in everyone else's lives that are around them, and it's important for them to stick around. Well, thank you. So, all right, this campaign that you have going, it's on Indiegogo. So you can right. just go to Indiegogo and go, my God, it's full of stars. Type that right. in. And we'll put a link out for it for everybody yeah, to find. Yeah, please do. Yep. And uh, so right now, you're almost halfway, as we speak right now, you're about halfway to your goal, and you got a couple of weeks left. So it'll be a little less than a couple of weeks left when this comes out on Monday. So right. I, want to, to, I want everybody, I want to just take a, a love offering for you, Rob. I want to <laughs> b- put a big call out there to everybody who was – uh, encouraged by Rob's story, uh, that even if it was not even encouraging, but that you really respect the honesty of what it is. When music is written in a place like that, when it comes from such an intense place, is often really good, and I think you'll think this is good. Uh, so yeah, I'm just I'm asking you guys out there to go check this out. I think you will like it and help Rob out. You're not doing this with a label or anything, so this is just you totally yep. put doing everything to put yourself out there for all these people, and it's very very personal, and it would mean a lot to you to be actually supported. Yeah, not, not just for the money or the finances. I know you can make music in your bedroom, but I think it would it would mean a lot to you, obviously, to have people supports you that are your fans or may fans or any you know whoever it would be sure, yeah so um we wish you luck on it and we hope we hope it turns out well and that you get all the way funded um and we think your project is is really good guys thanks so much for having me on your podcast and to all the listeners out there that have listened to this podcast i really do appreciate you taking the time um to to hear all this out so uh thanks guys Thanks, cool, Rob. Man. We know Rob, you got to go. You, man. We know you got to go, Rob. There's a lot more questions we would like to ask you. Yeah. Um, for one, I don't think we got to address, this is the Bad Christian Podcast, and I don't think we got to address Christianity or any spiritual belief or anything in any way, which is okay with us. Is okay with you, Chip? Have me, have me back. I well, ha- that's what I was going to say. That. We could have you back, but I just want to acknowledge to the listeners because they're thinking, why well, didn't I ask him about God? What about Jesus, man? Like, right. They want to know if you're a Christian still or any of that stuff, but we're just going to leave y'all cliffhanging. We're yeah. not going to ask yeah. that. So ha- maybe have we'll have back. Rob back and we'll talk about stuff like that but I would we enjoy to. just getting to hear about you and personally what's going on with you all right man we'll talk to you later all right guys hey, take man. care thanks bye all right thank you rob man that was, that was a pretty intense interview it got kind of 
heavy there for a while. I, I like it because it felt like uh, just regular. I mean, it really did feel like just talking kind of. It was. It was. I guess because when you know somebody, you've yeah. toured with them, it's way easier to talk to them. Well, I do think it's, I mean, I'm not huge on calling people brave or, you know, so much courage. I feel like a little bit that's overdone, but you could tell, like, saying that stuff out loud is still tough. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that was my favorite moment yeah. when it's like he started to talk. And he didn't know what he was going to say. And I yeah. said, why does he sound funny right now? And then the next thing he said was like, I was like, oh, shit. Yeah, and you're like, yeah. oh, he's he's saying this out loud and he's experiencing it as well. Yeah. He's hearing it too. Yeah. And I think that's that, that sometimes we don't talk out loud. And when you, you know, that, I think that's what, just like we always say, when you're by yourself, you're not talking out loud. You're yeah. not even hearing your own self. Yeah. That's true. From From y'all's background knowledge of him and just the interaction that you've had with him in the past, were you guys pretty much expecting that sort of openness well i know that you know he's he's been open about it so it's not like a, a breaking story or anything but there's not been any of that detail or anything so i knew that he had gone through a divorce and was depressed and had a suicide attempt but yeah. there's that sounds i know it sounds crazy but in some ways that sounds run of the mill so when you're yeah. talking to a person that you know like i know rob and he's telling you the details of that and i haven't talked to him in a while that's pretty pretty crazy. I, I here's what made me feel the worst is that I'm sitting here listening to this guy who uh, has been in a world famous band, had huge success in a band, uh, quit that band, basically was a lawyer. I mean, it takes a lot yeah. to become a lawyer and all that stuff, doing all that stuff. Now he just said, "I'm not going to do a lawyer. I don't like it." Putting out his own album and going through all this, and this guy has depression. And I think about Joey who has depression. Joey, how does that make you feel? Like yeah. you, you both struggle like with depression. He has depression, but look what but all he's, he's very, very successful, and you're just like a you know like a piece of poop compared to his success level. Yeah, like if you're depressed, shouldn't you at least have been gotten to be in a band or done something successful? Yeah, you know what I mean. How's that work? Go ahead, Joey. Well, yeah, I, I was just reflecting before <laughs> you. <laughs> Let me move on to a, a fan letter that I got. You know, Joey, you're always reading letters. You know, emails and stuff. This is a really quick one. It says. Hi, guys. I just wanted to tell you um, I'm a new listener to the podcast, but I love Toby's News. It is one of the most insightful uh, bits of information that I get during my week. It really lifts me up. It's great just to hear great news stories. Signed, Barbara Svensson. Busted. That's, that's Joey's <laughs> mom. mom. Yeah, your mom Aww. wrote us. Well, that's nice of her. She's an encourager. She really wants people to, you know, be positive about what they're doing, even if it's bullshit. Uh, P.S. Uh, P.S. Thank you for in your intervention with Joey's pizza addiction. She knows about that? Your mom knows let about it. Let me, let me read a text that I get from <laughs> Jessica. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, read it. What text I want to hear it. I want to hear this. You want to hear the text from your wife? Yes. Sure. Okay. All right, dear Joey, I am concerned. Dear Joey, you text, text Yeah, this is a, this, <laughs> Yeah, I'm very concerned about Toby. He keeps texting me, and he is very concerned about people not singing the words to the songs correctly. I feel like he's falling into a very OCD season of his life, and he gets into the bus, and he drinks these problems away. Wow. Wow, that was man. And how did you respond? That hits to, hard. How did you respond to Toby's wife? That hits text? hard. I responded and I said, I'm very sorry. Um, <laughs> but I have my doubts whether or not Oh damn it, I just got a text. You. Hold on, oh, shit. What did you get a text from? It's from Priscilla, Joey's oh, no. wife. Yeah. <laughs> she says, Toby, Joey won't <laughs> I am worried <laughs> says Joey won't dot dot dot. I don't know how to say this. I am worried. 
all of his jokes are terrible now and is killing our family killing and our, our marriage. marriage. <laughs> if there's any possible way to help him improve his jokes, please help. So it's help. not just the podcast that's affecting? Yeah, no, it's, it's a marriage. Oh, no. It's unbelievable. <laughs> so, Joey, I don't know. I mean, what do you want me to Should I say anything back to her or what? Are you okay? <laughs> All right. Wait, here, here, here's what's funny is this is the the niceness in me is I was going to text. I was going to make up a text that Jessica sent me about Toby's weight problem. But then after that blog post you, you posted last Wednesday, I was like, maybe I shouldn't go there. And so then I started fumbling with my thoughts and it came out with the stupidest joke ever. So at least my stupid <laughs> so, joke was based on the fact that I was trying to be nice and not make fun of my so, so, no, so joke. You have to have the killer instinct. So Joey wanted to be nice and not make fun of my weight. So instead he made up a joke about an alcohol problem. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's way nicer. Thanks, Joey. I appreciate you. <laughs> Well, I hope you don't feel too beat up, Toby. But you know, I, I don't. I know Rob has had a rough time, and Joey has depression. But more, more importantly, I'm kind of concerned with Toby and his feelings and everything. So I've got really good news regarding your news segment. Toby. Okay. So news with Toby is now officially become sponsored by some of the people that joined the BC Club. Whoa! So we all actually have people signing up for the BC Club, and if you do, we want to thank you because now we have news with Toby. Sponsored by and brought to you by Joey. Can you tell them, tell us who's sponsored by Jonathan Savage, Gilherm Costa, Aaron Blake O'Brien, David Johnson, Tyler Hartwig, Justin Marchant, Corey Shores, Davin Carlson, Sam Riddle, Josh Crady, Nathan Brown, and Clark Medlin. Thank you for bringing us news with Toby. Yeah, thank you for bringing thank the you news guys. With Toby. I you feel guys are I, great. I, I feel so awesome right now. So those are just a few of our new BC Club members that are helping us to to make to put out quality content like news with Toby. Thank you guys so much. I'm I'm rolling I'm rolling the music. You can't hear it, but it's rolling. In a world where your best friend always makes the wrong decision on jokes. My name is Toby Morell. This is News with Toby. This is the damn news. Guys, you guys have been challenging me lately mm -hmm. to have more serious news. So I actually do have some serious news today, but I'm wondering, uh, I mean, my, well, let me say. But don't make it depressing. Though. No, no, no. You know what? My news is always serious. It, it gets to the heart of our country. It, it's, it's true, but... I have some heavier stories today, I should say. Okay. Are they going to be depressing um, and be hard to make jokes about? Well, I, I this is a choose-your-own-adventure for Matt and Joey. It didn't work that way last how, how would you like to start out? Is what, it going to be heavier than the ass-whippings Aaron Rodgers has been given to teams in the NFL? Nothing could be heavier than that, for sure. All right, okay. would y'all like a story that makes you think about stuff a little bit? Would you like a story that is maybe about a famous person that you're like, oh, no, that makes me feel bad, or I don't know, or would you like – or would you like an animal story? A story about animals. Matt uh, definitely doesn't want a story that makes him feel anything, because he'll feel left out. Well, let's go. So let's go with animal story. Let's go with animal story. Okay, Ireland's gay bull Benji safe from slaughter. <laughs> Ireland's gay bull Benji safe from slaughterhouse. <laughs> a gay bull? Yeah. He faced. Okay. <clears throat> this comes from AP. He faced execution to. For failure to perform, but Benji, the gay bull of Ireland, has been saved following a worldwide appeal 
by the Simpsons co-creator Sam Simon. Ireland's Ireland, Ireland's and. <laughs> I'm actually saying, trying to say it with an accent. Animal Rights Action Network said Tuesday that Simon is paying for Benji's transportation to an animal sanctuary in England. Uh, he's been battling colon cancer, and so he's been giving, donating a lot of his money and stuff like that to a bunch of different causes, and, and his heart goes out to animals. Benji is a Charleros bull, and he failed this year to impregnate any heifers at the County Mayo Farm in Western Ireland. Uh-huh. Veterans determined he was fertile, but was more attracted to the bull. That replaced him. Mm. So they were going to kill him. For being gay. Yep. So, I mean, and that's Ireland. Yeah. So if you live in America, just thank God how good you have it. Yeah. I mean, if you're a gay bull here, you're walking around free today. Yeah. Or or probably not. They're probably killing them left and right in Texas. <laughs> 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 yeah. If you're a gay bull, you better just watch out. Texans don't care too much for you. Okay. This next one's kind of heavy, I think. Oh, I just kind of want to ask some of your opinion. But you guys have been following some. You guys know all about the NFL, and you've been following some of these stories. And so it has come out now that the NFL suspended Adrian Peterson without pay for the rest of the season. Yep. And that is based on what? Uh, The ruling that they found where he he pleaded no contest Mm -hmm. to child abuse. So they have. said that he can no longer play this whole season, which basically means millions and millions of dollars. And he's appealing it, but uh, and and they are disagreeing. But I'm kind of wondering what you guys think about it. There's several different stories that have come come out, but basically he pleaded no contest to right, child charges. abuse. So do you guys think that that should affect his income? Do you think that because of this, now the NFL is coming out and saying, hey, your job is done this year. You are not allowed to work and make an income for you for yourself or your family because of some of the things you did. Well, I'm gonna say no to that. I don't. I think that's unfortunate, is what I'll say. I don't know the solution for it, but if let's follow that to its logical conclusion, the NFL doesn't want to be associated with or allow somebody like that, that they think is a monster like this to make money, right? So we don't want them associated with our image, our industry, and plus people don't want him to make millions of dollars because he's done something bad. Right. So that's fine. So what job is he supposed to have with what low-life company? So now can he, could he be a stockbroker now? But no, Merrill Lynch doesn't want to have him on. Right. There. Okay, well, can he be a doctor or a lawyer? What, what other careers is it possible for him to have? And what if he got all the way down to he just – just trying to literally earn money to make food, and he wanted to work at Burger King. And Burger King said, I'm sorry, we would not hire somebody that would do something like, like that. If that was the case... What's your point? What's your point? Anybody, I mean, that's, anybody that's ever done anything wrong, if everybody should never be able to work or earn money, they should just die of starvation because they can't earn their living for, with their trade or any other trade. What's the difference in the NFL and Burger King telling them you can't work right. here? That's so true. he should never he should never earn another dime. Nobody should ever smile at him again. Nobody should ever talk to him. He's done. So it's a it's a free market though. If you if you are in charge of an organization, you should be able to say, you know what, I don't want a person like that to represent my company. So what if now, all if, what, corporations what, unanimously said none of us want that, and then therefore well, that person can't happen. have a job. That's just not going to happen. You you will be able to find a place that's going to hire. Now, Adrian one thing Peterson. is, it says not only did a grand jury indict Peterson on felony on, <clears throat> on a felony charge because he overstepped the bounds of acceptable corporal punishment, but Roger Goodell wrote, but it also appears that this is not the first time that Adrian Peterson you have punished children in this way. Public statements attributed to you indicate that you believe that this kind of discipline is appropriate 
and that you do not intend to stop disciplining your children this way. Like Adrian Peterson is pretty unapologetic. He thinks I grew up, I was my parents, you know, spanked me, got a switch, did all this stuff. That's what I do to my kids. You stay out of my business. Mm-hmm. And so now he's unapologetic, which, man, you kind of appreciate uh, to a certain extent True. that if people say this is the way I believe and this is what yep. I'm going to do. But at the same time, you have to watch out for kids, man. They're, they're, you know, they're helpless well, to I mean, a yeah. NFL player yeah. that wants to abuse them. I mean, maybe, maybe he doesn't even realize I, how strong he is. I got no is. defense for anybody or what they do or if they, whether they're good or bad. I just, I'm not sure what, I mean, what punishment there should be socially all the way through. How much is enough pun- Like, we right. have the law. The law is right. supposed to hold people accountable punish them and judge them and then if you go through the legal and, and judicial system and suffer whatever your consequences are for your crime the, the rest of us ought to accept that that's why michael vick's back in the nfl because he did his time and he seems to even be rehabilitated which is awesome so yeah. that's what it's supposed to be it's not supposed to be screw you forever because you you've done something bad so i don't, why, I don't why is it why is it screw you forever though well i don't why, why don't we always I'm just, I mean, I, I do understand what you're saying is the NFL can do whatever they want to do, too, and if they don't want to have that person, that's fine. But the, what we're talking about here really is the preponderance of the general public to scorn public publicly and shame an individual because it doesn't line up with what uh, society says is good. And it's, it isn't good, but that's why we have the, the legal system to punish and judge. The rest of us don't have to do that. He should be able to have a job, I believe. I think the reason why is because he is a public figure. And you would say that, for example, a Catholic priest that molested a kid or hurt a kid, something like that. You know what I mean? You might would say, okay, well, this guy shouldn't – he does not deserve to have this job anymore and stuff like that, even if it was a good income and all that stuff, even if he's a great preacher or something like that. So there are – I think there are times – But you that can, affects his job, though. This doesn't. Matt, Matt, it is it a It should privilege. because he's a, he's a, it is a public figure. He's, he's playing a damn game – and he's getting paid millions and millions of dollars. That is a yeah. I don't privilege. even think he, that's what I'm saying. I don't think he should even be able to earn uh, allowed to earn five dollars. Is what I think. You actually think that? No, I'm being oh. facetious. <laughs> I mean, so yeah, I agree. It's, a, it's it's also a privilege to anything, but you don't. I mean, playing in the playing in the NFL is a huge privilege. It's an honor. Not everybody gets to do that. So if the NFL says, you know what, I want our players to have a certain standard of of living. Uh, that's their prerogative. They do. They, they have can a, do whatever they want to do. Yeah, I do understand that. I, I mean, if so, if you you get to decide what kind of uh, dude or girl babysits Georgia, that's your prerogative. No, I, I do mean. understand that. But I'm ta- I, in the in general, I think somebody should not be prohibited from their job based on stuff that is not related to their job. I don't. Well, think what that's about right. pastors? What about pastors that uh, have moral failure? You're pretty hard on them, saying that they shouldn't be able to pastor anymore. I think well, for in this exam in this situation, I actually think you leave it up to the fans. Hey, we don't want that guy being our running back. I'm not going to cheer for that guy, and that yeah. it would work itself out, if, you know. And if if it doesn't, then that just that goes to show you how <laughs> shitty Minnesota Viking fans <laughs> are. But <laughs> but I'm just saying, well, make don't I mean I, don't think for a second that it's really outrageous. I mean, whatever the NFL or any other company does, it's just their own self interest anyway. It's not like they really care. Like they, I promise you, they don't. It doesn't mean near as much to them. Is is their image to us? That's all their main concern yeah. is. That's all. That's all. And any is. any Viking fan out there that are disappointed, don't worry, because even if they did have Peterson, they wouldn't be able to get past the Packers as long as Aaron Rodgers is taking snaps. So that is true. It's not that big. Never a deal no as chance far as to win and losses. Right. True, true, true. All right, y'all want y'all want something lighter or, or, or even heavier? Lighter. 
How kind of want to go heavy today? All right. <laughs> it's news with Toby. Okay. This one really upsets me, and uh, it's kind of been in the news lately. And this is uh, my last uh, news segment. My last news article was from uh, CNN. I went to CNN, and they got some good news. This they is where I'm getting. I'm getting the hard hitting stuff, and this is an, this is another one from CNN. Uh, but this has been all over the place. But have you guys heard about the allegations of rape from Bill Cosby? I didn't ha- have the details on it, but I saw of it. It's uh, it's pretty Please tough. Please tell me it's not true. No, I don't. I can't tell you that honestly. His lawyer uh, just made this statement over the last several weeks. Decade old discredited allegations against Mr. Cosby have surfaced. The fact that they are being repeated does not make them true. Mr. Cosby does not de- uh, plan to dignify any of these allegations with a comment. He used to like to thank his fans. Um, so right now we do not know what Bill Cosby did or did not do, but these allegations should not be easily dismissed. Over a dozen women have come forward alleging remarkably similar pattern of abuse. While alone with Cosby, they say they were drugged and assaulted, then silenced after by Cosby's handlers. One of the victims, Barbara Bowman, a 46-year-old married mother of two who said Cosby repeatedly raped her when she was a teenager and aspiring actress under his tutelage. Bowman has no financial incentive to speak out. She never asked or f- she never asked for or received money from Cosby, and the statute of limitations in her case has long passed. So this lady doesn't even have anything really to gain. Yeah. So it, for twelve, Why isn't this for way twelve, bigger news. It's pretty big news. It's gaining some. It's steam. gaining. Yeah. I mean, what they're saying basically is that he, his handlers, and his money have kept people kind of quiet. You know what I mean? Like it's just uh, they they. People are really scared because it's Bill Cosby, who's super world famous and and like everybody's favorite grandpa in the whole world. And you know he 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 says so much good stuff and has done so much good stuff and had so many great TV shows and, and everything. And I mean, he could just easily discredit you. You're a no name person. So would you want to be your name run through the muck and do to be discredited and might not get any, or especially he, says, how he many, says if you don't say anything, I'll give you a million dollars. Right. Plus, he could he, anybody in that position could theoretically pay people to keep them quiet right and, and this is all allegedly for sure this is all allegedly we don't know and it sucks because honestly bill cosby is one of my favorite people i think like favorite actors comedians in the world ever well i mean i think this one's gonna i put it this way i think this one will get sorted out because if it can come to light this much now i don't know i mean i th- i think investigators and enough information will probably turn up the truth in the long run, I don't know what it'll be legally and what statute of limitations or whatever, but I feel like it'll either this will either kind of go away or it'll re- yeah. it'll be it'll become pretty obvious at some point. So I'm not going to weigh in on it because you know I think it'll gain some momentum or fade out, and that should yeah. tell you something. It just goes to show you, no matter what, you, the public you is not the private you, no matter what. I don't believe that there would be any really good reason to smear him in this way at this time. Right, so that's in, uh, that's a strike against him. Right, uh, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Like he's not a target, you know. He's not a good t- like if you wanted to make up rape allegations for any reason at all, this is one of the last places you would g- right. take them. Right? You know. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, for sure. I mean, he's a he's a old man now. I mean, he's a lovable old yeah. black man that it, everybody loves. That is really one of the hardest people to accuse. You could accuse Donald Trump. Right. No problem. So. 
honestly, here, here's the thing, though, and uh, kind of why I want to tie in the Adrian Peterson and, and this, too. These are people that you just want to like. You want to love them. You want Their public image is so awesome. This guy that came back from reconstructive surgery on his knee to play football and become the MVP. And then, you know, Bill Cosby, who has just been so funny and it been so huge impact on, on uh, human rights and, and all this stuff. And then, I mean, you, like, you can't trust anybody. I mean, you just have to always – that, that it's just so tough because you you just want to believe in people and it's just proven time and time and time and time again you can't. Yeah, that's one thing in my life that I could have gone without knowing. Yeah, I know. I figured I figured you would be because you love the Cosby Show. That's like one of your all time favorite shows, right? Yeah, I love it. I mean, I still will. I I've definitely been able to as as I've grown older, you know, just be able to just recognize, you know, and appreciate celebrities and. The sort of art that they bring. Okay, busted the, then, busted because you just ice. got on to Matt saying Adrian Peterson shouldn't play football, even though what he did. And now you're saying, yeah, I'm going to still watch the Cosby Show, even though he potentially, earning, allegedly, could have earning, raped people. Yeah, what a, what an honor, what a great thing, and he gets to earn royalties forever on yeah. it. So, and you don't think they should pull it and eliminate it from all shelves? Whoa, 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 whoa. Why, why, busted, why would Joey. N, why yeah. would NBC broadcasting and Bill Cosby do any different than NFL? Pull it, no, eliminate I'm, it, I'm, no more roll. Burn all the tapes of Fat Albert, everything. I'm not I'm not busted because if they decided to do that, then I would say, okay. Well, no, you just it, said I've, you said I've learned that it's art and what they do, and I'm able to separate it. But you came down pretty hard on Adrian Peterson. So I just want uh, you to apologize to our down, listeners. Apologize to down, our listeners. I'm not going to. I'm okay, you heard it first. Okay, guys. That's news with Toby. The last bit is that Joey will not apologize for being a filthy, disgusting, uh, potential rape supporter. <laughs> Joey is an alleged rape supporter. <laughs>